All right, what is going on, everyone? Welcome back to the Sage Bay Podcast. Today, I'm joined with Zamet again. This has got to be one of the most, like, oh, hectic kind of, I would say, been pre- preparations for a podcast. Everything has gone wrong for me. My point of view, Zamet's been chilling here, probably touching himself or something. I don't know. <laughs> but I have... I think I've explained this to you, and I thought I explained this to most of you guys out there. My microphone, the the audio input for my PC is literally like dead, and it is going to be a uh, probably a couple hundred bucks to fix. So it's a bit of a pain in the ass. Um, I don't know. Have you have you ever had run into something like this, Zammer, where your audio on your computer is just dead? It is just shocking. no, no, like, like, I haven't. Jack, my jack, the thing that you plug your headphones in, it's like loose as, and I don't know what's going on. <laughs> but you know what? That out of the way, there is a lot to talk about, especially because we'll start off with NBA fan. I want to talk about AFL as well, because we didn't get to do that last time. But with the NBA, Zambit is a huge New York Knicks fan. So I figured there would be no one better to ask about the emotional roller coaster you have gone through with the recent Donovan Mitchell situation. What are your thoughts and opinions on it, Zama? Give me the rundown. Donovan Mitchell traded to the Cavs, didn't get to the Knicks. How do you feel? Listen, it's it's tough. Like coming from a Knicks fan, that was the big thing. I was excited, you know, it was it just seemed like it was destined to happen. That oh it was it was gonna happen no matter what. He was coming to the Knicks. There was no other team that he would come to no one could beat the next package. Um, it's disappointing, but um, I don't know. It's it's a thing that happened at an awkward time. Um, mm. We were not expecting Donovan Mitchell this year. We were ex- we were expecting Donovan Mitchell for you know for him to request a trade, but not this year. No one mm. was really like Go Bear got traded, and it just all got blew up. Um, I, I think me, including a lot of the other Knicks fans, weren't expecting this for at least till next year or the summer after that. So it it was a shock. And Leon Rose and the front office, they weren't ready. They um they didn't want to make this trade yet. You know, they just gone Jalen Brunson. You know, Randall was at his lowest trade value. You know, possible. Yeah. Um, they just weren't ready for it. And Listen, they threw out their best deal, which, you know, included like RJ Barrett, Emmanuel Quickly, two first, uh, three first rounders, plus pick swaps. It was a bloody, it was a good deal. Um, but they, they weren't willing to give up more. And Cavs were. Fucking, yeah. you know, Cavs, Cavs did give up a lot. You know, so you reckon it was a wrong time, wrong situation type of thing for the Knicks? It, yeah, it, wrong situation. Like, like, don't get me wrong. I wanted, you know, the second those rumors came out, I wanted Donovan like no other, but it's just <laughs> looking at it from another perspective. It's it wasn't the season for it, and um, yeah. hopefully Cavs just do crap, and then you know he. <laughs> <presses> an- <laughs> um, I'll tell you what you know. You know Blake McGill, the tall redhead kid. Uh, he went to our high school. He has been on the podcast as like a background guest, right? I don't know if he was drunk today or something, but he texts me and he goes. This, this is in his words, by the way. Completely in his words. Imagine stealing Donovan Mitchell from us Knicks, taking another L. Don't worry. You can make a fucking podcast, and I'll be on it just swearing the whole time about how much I hate the Knicks organization. <laughs> Clearly, I think that's... a man who wants Donovan Mitchell to the team. <laughs> yeah, it... I think there's... You go, there's you go. probably... There's probably not too many of those people that feel that way. I think majority of the Knicks fans, um, you know, all over social media, Twitter, I'm talking everything. Mm. We, we feel fine. We're, we're feeling neutral. You know, we're not feeling, oh, you know, with, you know, Leon Rose stuffed up, the front office is screwed, Tom Thibodeau needs to be fired. Um, but there's definitely no, no people saying... It, it's just neutral. We're, we're feeling yeah. neutral at the moment, most of us. And I think the feeling... If you really do feel like, oh, the Knicks fucked up, you know, can we swear? So I'm swearing my head off, man. I'm yeah, I guess, I guess so. I mean, I can put a, <laughs> I can put a warning on Spotify. One of the E's, whatever it's called. You know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We can. Uh, we apologies. Can do that. <laughs> um, but yeah, listen, it's 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 disappointing from a Knicks fan. But 
I think if you um if you are not stupid and you you know clearly that person is stupid that you just talked about um <laughs> it's just i'm a knicks fan you cannot yeah. honestly say you know what knicks fucked up there they should have beaten that deal they should have um they should have offered rj barrett ob mm-hmm. Toppin, emmanuel quickly Quentin grimes bloody four first rounders and beating the Cavs deal you no looking and i'm not bagging out the Cavs. the Cavs, mm. what they did was it was a very smart decision, and if I was at front office, I would pull that deal instantly. Looking at that team, you have a yeah. better team than us. You've got um, what's it called? You got Garland. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily know if um Blake is stupid. More of desperate would be the right right word. I think he's desperate for someone to help the Knicks. And I made a video that was released um obviously way before this podcast comes out. But at the time of recording, as it was released today. Talking about, uh, I know you watched the first couple of minutes and you were texting it to me, why I thought the Knicks were the losers out of the Donovan Mitchell trade. And it wasn't necessarily um, because of that they didn't pull the move that had RJ Barrett in it. I think it was more of, I feel like there had to have been an opportunity for the Knicks to have gone about this a different way where they could have had RJ Barrett, Jalen Brunson, and Donovan Mitchell on the same team. I didn't think it was a... It had to have been that they had to give up RJ Barrett. I think there was a lot of ways where they could have moved, um, you know, Fournier on for a protected first or something like that. It just... The pieces didn't fall together for the Knicks. And that's why I think it is... um, it could still be looked at as a failure, but not on the Knicks' role. It's not their fault that Julius Randle's trade value is in the negatives right now. You know what I mean? It's not It's not necessarily their fault as well that Utah are probably not necessarily looking to take on players like Evan Fournier at this stage. And it's definitely not their fault that the Cleveland Cavaliers, what they had, could be seen as a better deal than what the Knicks had. Whether that matters... It doesn't really because at the end of the day, what the Cavs had fit more what Utah wanted. They wanted younger players. And they were able to get Colin Sexton out of that deal. 22, I think, a Chayag Bargy. 22, he'll have his first season in the league this year. He was picked 14. And then you got Larry Markinen, who was a desperate need for Utah because they didn't have a power forward. They didn't have a power. They, they, they had have no big man depth. And I think that was a desperate need. Because they were probably going to be playing Mike Conley at power forward next season. Like, that's the reality of things. So, yeah, you bring in marketing, seven-foot dude, 25 years old as well, still capable of being a really good role player. And then the picks. So, I just feel like the Knicks got really unlucky. They got really unlucky. And then you were talking about the situation earlier. The other situation I see is, is, is Tom Thibodeau, would he be able to coach a backcourt that had two six-foot-one players in it because he is so defensive-orientated as a coach. If you moved on Barrett and all these players, I think you're looking at a starting five that has Brunson at the one, Donovan Mitchell at the two, and Fournier at the three, and Randall at the four, and we know how bad defensively that would be. Is that Do you see that as an issue as well as maybe another reason the Knicks didn't pull the trigger? was maybe the defense? Uh, no. Personally, no, I don't. I, I, I think the, the big thing was this: they just weren't willing to give up what Jazz wanted. Um, I think the whole situation of the Knicks would have been, yes, defense probably will be an issue. Like, of course, with two 6-1 guards, it's going to be hard. But mm-hmm. I think their big, um, their mentality going into the season would have been, you know what, let's just get our man and let's figure it out later. If we need to yeah. do trades, you know, we will figure it out. As long as we had Donovan Mitchell signed on till I think it's 2026, it's, that uh, would have been a not, massive, massive He's win. got a long time, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah that, that, that time. would be the thing. If you brought in Donovan Mitchell, it would be like, you wouldn't necessarily be looking at the situation now, as you just said. You'd be looking at, I think, the future. Because as the soon future. as you bring in Donovan yeah, Mitchell, all-stars would be looking at that and they're like, damn, you know what I mean? So that's the thing. We're going to move on, though, because by the time this podcast comes out, the Donovan Mitchell news will probably be way, way, way in the past because I recorded a podcast today as well, and I think this one will come out after it. So people are probably wondering, like, why, why are they still talking about Donovan Mitchell? <laughs> but this stuff just freshly came out as we're making this. Um, you know, again, that's pretty much the big NBA thing that's come out. 
there's been a couple of things as well before I get into the AFL because I love Zamet's AFL opinions. Zamet has some <laughs> awesome AFL opinions that are very unique and are very factual a lot of the times. But the reality is as well is before we get into that, there's a boxing fight that's been announced. And, you know, we always got to talk about YouTube boxing because it get, does get some clicks. Jake Paul versus Anderson Silva. What are your thoughts and opinions on that fight? Anderson Silva, 46-year-old MMA legend. Dana White even labeling arguably the GOAT of MMA. He's come into boxing now. I think he's won his last three fights in a row, beating Julio Chavez, who's a dude that people were saying Jake Paul should have fought last year. He beat him. And now he's fighting Jake Paul. The reality is, this is still a tough... This is a really tough fight, and a lot of people have got Anderson Silva winning this fight. What do you think about this one? Yeah, listen, it's probably going to be the hardest fight that Paul, you know, is going to be doing. Um, this is... This isn't no ordinary fight. Like, well, let's be real. It's still not a boxer, but it's getting closer. Mm. You know, it's yeah. Silver is the real deal. Silver is good. He still has a professional boxing winning record as well. That would be the the thing I guess he could say. Yeah. Um, but I, I just don't understand why Paul wants to do this exactly. Because I just, I don't know. I think going into this, this is going to be a, a lose-lose situation for him. If he, you know, somehow beats him, it's going to be the exact same thing everyone says. Oh, he was only an M MMA fighter. Oh, you know, yeah. still haven't beaten an actual boxer. And if he does, if he does lose then he's just going to get absolutely trolled everywhere on the internet. It's this it's insane thing if it ends in a decision or he wasn't good enough to knock him out. It's this, it's a lose-lose situation here. I don't... I, got, you know, you I don't, know I don't, I don't understand. <laughs> I think he did it is because um, no one wants to fight Jake Paul. That is the reality of things. No one wants to fight Jake Paul. They don't want to become another clip. And the reality is we saw Tommy Fury. Tommy Fury not only pulled out once but pulled out twice in two different years. Tommy Fury did not want the smoke. They're arguably seen as even fighters, but he didn't want to be the, didn't want to become a clip. Then you got Haseem Rahman Jr. who had, I think he's like nine and one or something. Professional boxer, right? I can guarantee you Jake Paul was beating him in that fight. Jake Paul would have beat him in the fight. There's a reason he didn't make weight. He didn't make weight because I don't think he wanted to do it. I think he wanted to get his name out there so he can eventually fight a much bigger opponent in terms of popularity, but also the opponent that he doesn't have to meet weight with. With Anderson Silva, Anderson Silva is reliable. You know this guy is not going to pull out. You cannot have well, touch wood in case he gets injured or some shit like that for Jake Paul, but you cannot have a third dude in a row pull out because then people will start to suss you out. They'll start to think that you have some shady shit going behind the scenes where the, the reason these fights aren't happening is because it, it's you. You're doing, you know, maybe some money issues behind the background, this and that. The thing with Anderson Silver is I think he ticks a lot of boxes. You get a boxer that will go to the fight. He will be there. I don't think he's going to pull out, hopefully. Um, second one is as well, he's a professional boxer with a positive record. I think he's 4-1 and one and he lost his only fight like 1995 or something like come on now uh and the reality is i think he's still seen to be a better opponent than what tyron woodley was who jake last fought so it's still an upgrade right and then you got the overwhelming factor that if anderson silver i still think fought ksi anderson silver would probably get that win so he's still making progress to be way further apart from ksi which would be the ultimate goal for him, right? He doesn't want people... He probably doesn't want to, people to keep bringing up, you know, that they could be even. And if a fight between those two ever came along, I think Jake would probably win, obviously. But um, that's that's why I think there are a lot of pros. But I understand your cons, though. Those are... At the end of the day, this dude's 46. Even though he is still beating up 30-year-olds, 46 years old, that is pretty, you know, pretty old. Do you think Jake wins this fight? Because I have watched some footage of how Anderson Silva goes about it. He's pretty slow. He is exactly what you'd think a 46-year-old would box like. His movement is very odd. His footwork is very odd. But at the end of the day, the dude can punch. And his defense is still like, bro, he's an MMA fighter. They know how to defend themselves. 
Do you still do you think that Jake does win this? Because for some reason, I have a feeling this could be. It could be a knockout. It could go to score, but I do, I do have Jake winning it. It's hard to say. Like it's. Um, sick of the people saying, you know, Jake Paul isn't, you know, an actual fighter. He's not. He's not. Mm. He's not a boxer. He's not any good, dude. He all he's been doing the past few years is just practicing boxing and boxing and boxing. This man has so much money, getting the best training he can get. He's a boxer, man. He, yeah. Trust me, he's a boxer. Like it doesn't matter what you say. Yes, he was a YouTuber. This man is a boxer now. He is. <laughs> he is getting that much training. It is ridiculous. So that those comments saying he's not a boxer. Need to just stop right now because he's Agreed. literally a boxer. He's really good. You see his technique. He's really, really bloody good. Yeah. Um, and listen, it's gonna be a hard fight. This is something that you know he could he could lose. Um, it, it's hard. It's it, it's it's hard. I I, I don't know. Like, I honestly don't yeah. know. Um, I, th- I think he will. I'm at least ninety percent sure he'll get the win because I think. He has picked this opponent knowing he's a big name who can fight and can defend himself, but it's not at a level that can beat a 25-year-old who is getting better and better and is who knocked out Tyron Woodley. I don't think Anderson Silva is that big of a step over Tyron Woodley. I, I even though I think he is, I think we will see that like Anderson Silva is still a goat. Don't get me wrong. In the 2000s, he was like the face of the UFC, the best fighter out there. And people would say, oh, I'm a Jake Paul fan. Nah, just do just watch how Anderson Silva in his last fight against Julio Chavez and then watch Jake Paul's fight against Tyron Woodley in Cleveland. I still reckon there's a big margin. Like, he should have still beat him. I'd be shocked. But yeah, I agree. There is some doubt. There has to be some doubt. It's still, it's freaking Anderson Silva. Like, <laughs> it's the spider, right? So he could, he could still lose. But... We'll, um, we'll move on to AFL now because, holy crap, everything has been going on with trades. Every single little thing. The Richmond Tigers have been the busiest team, like, by an extensive period in the trade market. First of all, Tim Tarano was listed as the biggest free agent. Him and Dunkley and Buddy have been the three that everyone's like, where are they going to go? But I think Tarano's probably the best out of the three, I would still say. Uh, and it looks like he's met up with Tigerland. He's, they did say, I think it was um, Sam Edmund and Cal Toomey both said, he is requesting a trade to Richmond. Before I get into the other Richmond move, how big of a get is this for the Tigers? Because it's about 95% done, I think, nearly at this point. they just got to figure out the trade package. What do you think? I'm actually slightly behind on all this stuff um, regarding Richmond. Yes, I've seen the rumors regarding yeah. you know Torino and stuff. Um, this oh listen, this would be a massive get if they could somehow get you know this is huge. This um he's a he's a he's a big time player, man. He's good. Um, I'm not I can't recall his exact age off the top of my head. I think he's um, 24. He, 24 years old. That, turning 25. Listen, that's. That's younger than I thought, so it, that is a massive <laughs> that is a massive yeah. grab. Um, if you could get him, it's that would be brilliant. You know, you've got you've got the young kids coming in, um, and he will just fit in perfectly. He's you know that he's a perfect player to win now. He's a perfect player that can be there and actually you know be with the kids as well. It's yeah, I think that this is perfect for Richmond if they could pull this off, which it's looking like they probably will. This it's it's excellent. What can you say? Like yeah, this is a great move. And the other one, which shocked a lot of people, everyone kind of thought that Jacob Hopper was, like, set to go to Geelong. But I remember two years ago, I don't know if you remember this, but Geelong offered him a contract, a two-year deal, I think it was, or no, four-year deal, and he decided to re-sign with GWS for two years. I don't know if you remember that, but that's, that's what happened. I was saying to the boys, I think if he declined Geelong's offer last time, how is he 90% going to be going to Geelong this time, right? Some doubt in my mind. So what happens? There was very reported that the Richmond Tigers had just met up with Jacob Hopper. No one knew if it was true. And then Damien Hardwick went on 360 and said it was true. They did meet up with Jacob Hopper. And now it is looking like, as well, Richmond are the favourite to get Jacob Hopper. Reports are saying they've got the cap for both of them. 
it's just going to be a big thing because apparently they're going to be trying to, of course, trade for both of them. They have to give up the picks, this and that. My question is to you, do you think this gets done? Does Jacob Hopper and Tim Torano both get to the Richmond Tigers? I can see you're looking it up right now. You're looking up the, the reports. <laughs> no, I, I was checking his age again. He, again, he's yeah. also, he's tra- he's 25. So that's, um, again, that's younger than I thought. I thought he was 27. Um, it shows you what I know. Um, <laughs> but yeah, listen, that, again, that would be perfect. Jacob Hopper's good, man. That's, you know, uh, look at you guys. You guys are just stealing all the Giants players. <laughs> it's, it's scary because they're saying JWS are demanding two first-round picks for Toronto a first-round pick for Hopper and players. So we do have that. We do have this year's first-round pick and next year's. And we also own pick 19, which is the first pick of the second round. We own North Melbourne's pick. So they finished last, so they have the first pick of the second round. That is basically a first-round pick. So those would be the three. And then I'd say, like, Ivan Soldo would get thrown into that. GWS Anita Ruckman, Riley Collier-Dawkins, who we took at pick 20 a couple years ago. Hasn't fit in the team. I think Richmond will offer him up. And then I still feel like GWS are going to want more. Like, is this a matter of us giving up too much Zamet? Because a part of me is scared. I love Tim Tarano. I'm not as big on Jacob Hopper, but I think Tim Tarano is probably the best player out of his draft class, nearly. As definitely top three. Probably nearly the best player. The dude averages 25 disposals and a goal every second game. I just don't know if I want to give up my the whole entire collection that Richmond are going to have to give up for both of them. And I feel like that's what's going to happen. Do you think that GWS will want more? Or do you think this deal gets done? Or will Hopper have to wait another year out in GWS? What do you think happens? Well, listen, that is very steep. Um, that is, and especially if you're thinking more as well, like they're going to want more. That is a, um, it, it is an expensive price. But then when you look at their ages and their skill level already at this age, um, it's um it's it's on the fence. I, I'd do it. Yeah, if if I'm Richmond now, I'd yes, I'd I'd pull that, do that, um, get them in the club. Um, but listen, it is it is expensive. You know, you are it's a steep price. But I think for those you know for the skill level of um Tim Taranto, you've you've got yes, I reckon you'd do that. Yeah. Did you watch Richmond versus Brisbane, the final? Yeah. Did you see as soon as Dion Prestia did his hamstring? Did you see what happened? They got on top of us in the midfield straight away. Won them the game. Right, won them the game. The whole year, the issue of Richmond was we didn't have enough, like, ball winners inside midfielders that can do it. So what did Richmond do to answer that? They go out and get Tim Torano and Jacob Hopper. Right, your biggest need. You not only get one of them, but you get two of them. And what weirded me out about Jacob Hopper is, is that dude also kicked a goal every second game last year. Both players have the capability of going down forward, which has weirded me out. I did not know that about these players until I did the research. I knew it about Torano, but not Hopper. Like, you watch Hopper play, and you think he's just a big inside ball that gets the ball. He can kick goals, too. Like, that weirded me out quite a bit. But, I mean, it would be the biggest trade package in AFL history, you would assume. It's essentially three first-round picks. Pick 12, 19, and a future first. And they will probably want, like, a future third, Ivan Soldo and Riley Collier-Dawkins, who was a first-round-picked player. If it's not the biggest biggest trade nearly in AFL history, I don't know what it is. I'm not talking about in, like, popularity or anything like that. So many other trades have been way bigger. I'm talking about what Richmond would have to give up. It's pretty steep. But as you just said, I think we've got to do it. I think we got to make it happen. It's almost like they're too good of players to not go out and get, you know, this offseason. And they fulfill our biggest need. So, clearly, Richmond are going to be big, very busy this summer. Not, or it's the trade period. I guess we can call it summer, right? I don't know. <laughs> the other, other <laughs> team, though, who's going to be really, um, you know, big is Port Adelaide. Junior Rioli, you know, formerly Willie Rioli, now goes as junior. He's already requested a trade to Port, and it looks like they are the favourites for Josh Dunkley. They missed the eight this year. Do you are reckon they? Those two, yeah. Do you think those two players are 
what's going to fix the what's going to fix the Port Adelaide power or well, I didn't know about the Dunkley one, so that's um, mm. that's news to me. Uh, and you know that that's a big grab. Um, but Brisbane uh, listen, are also know, Port, interested in him. Port are also losing players. They, they're losing Carl Amon. Um, it's I don't know. Uh, Port are in a bit of strife here. They're gonna have to really you know change some stuff around. Um, I don't know. It's um, I, I, again, I think Dunkley's a good player and all, but at Bulldogs, I think the past. What was his stats this season? I wouldn't say he was, you know, amazing or big, big standout player this year. I think he still averaged like 24 a game. I think he still averaged like 24 a game as like the fifth option in the midfield. So I, okay, I feel like well, they, there you they, go. they... Never mind. <laughs> they really don't want to lose him. But the thing is yeah, as well okay. is... Yeah, no, you're right. Never mind. Yeah. If you are Port Adelaide, like if you're um the Dogs, sorry, and you're, you're going to have to trade Dunkley and Port Adelaide, let's just say you are trading for him, right? Let's just say you are Port Adelaide. You're trying to trade for this guy. You can't tell me that he'd be anything less than what Tim Tarano would be, right? Yeah, yeah. Oh, spot on. Um, how many? Um, what's Dunkley's contract? Uh, oh, do you know how many years he's under? He's expiring, but I think he's restricted, same as Tim oh, Tarano. Okay. So the team can match it and then trade, which is what they'll do yeah. because the AFL won't give them enough compensation. Yeah. That. Listen, can I just say one thing really quick off topic? The AFL contracts is, I, I hate it. It confuses the hell out of me. Why can't it just be like the NBA or something? Nice and easy to know. Like, oh, it's, just, it's a nightmare, the, AFL, the yeah. way it works. I think it's more of as well as they're very, um, they don't really know how it works themselves. I remember when Buddy left for like a million a season, the Hawks got like pick 18. But if a player who is a million dollars a season is leaving and he left that doo-doo club, right? Remember Tom Lynch? Tom Lynch left Gold Coast for Richmond on a million a season. So what do the AFL do? They give them pick three, right? If that's how they mapped it out, then shouldn't the Hawks have got given a top five pick for Buddy? I'm they got sure given got pick less than that. I don't... Yeah, I think it was A-N. Okay, that's... Yeah. Really? See, I thought it was even worse than that. I thought look, we got like pick, like forty. I, I I remember like going nuts over it. So I'm just I know this is really bad of me now, but I'm now I'm trying to figure it out. Um, <laughs> you, you and me, I'm both trying to figure. I'm trying to figure out how like the AFL work out these contracts. So our oh, first pick in the draft was thirty-one. Um, I wonder what happened to your eighteen then. <laughs> yeah. What did? Oh my god! So this is terrible of me. Them trading for Junior Rioli, though, won't be hard. I think that's a late third-rounder. I mean, he doesn't have much value to West Coast anymore. They want to, I think, not necessarily rebuild, but retool their team, if that makes sense. You know, they've just brought in Cully. He helped out massively. They have picked two this season as well. West Coast have enough. They, they're a historic club that are always good. Every time they look like they have to rebuild, it takes them one or two more years to, like, make the finals or contend for it. So, I don't think that will have to happen. But, yeah, my thing with Port Adelaide is, are they good enough to... I don't think Dunkley will be two first-round picks, like they're saying Torano is, because I, I, I feel like the... Dogs, I don't think will really bargain over it as much as what GWS will. It'll probably be a first round pick and a second round pick. Not just that, Port still have the worry about being doo doo next year, while Richmond, you know, are naturally going to be a top eight team. That's why, as well, I think their firsts are much more valuable than Richmond's. But if you're Port Adelaide, yeah, you've just brought up that Carl Amon is leaving. You bring in Josh Dunkley and Willie Rioli. Is that enough to get you to the eight? I don't know. There's a lot of teams who are going to be jumping next year again. Gold Coast should probably make the eight. So uh, listen, I don't, I don't think it is enough. It's, it's going to mm. be hard. We look at this. We look at the ladder now. You, you, Carton just missed out. You think they would, you know, we, we would hope they make it next year. Um, yep. Gold Coast will be up there. Um, call me Bison. Oh, but I reckon Hawthorne will be improving. Um, I've got, I've got a like, thing about Hawthorne, by the way, because I think <laughs> they are. I don't think they want to improve. And I'll, I'll, tell so. you, I'll tell you why I don't think they want to improve. And I've been talking to a lot of people about it. And I think a lot of people have this same mindset is, is they are really looking to trade away 
all of these veteran players. And it was even clearer today, they delisted Cole Hardigan. And I'm not saying Hardigan's any that good of a player, but Hardigan's a player that can help you win a game. He can do a job on a key fault. And then there was the other one that Tom Mitchell's management has reportedly been meeting up with St. Kilda's management very heavily at a cafe. And they are also saying that um, that Tom Mitchell 100% wants out. Hawthorne are also looking to trade Bruce and Gunston. So I'm not sure if they want to get a whole lot better. I'm not, I'm not sure about that. Well, it's um, with the Tom Mitchell thing, I think it's it's very clear that him playing for our team this season, he didn't do anything. He wasn't a big um, he wasn't a big reason why we won any games, and he definitely wasn't the reason why we lost any games. He just he had a bit of a dud year. He wasn't mm-hmm. shit. He wasn't great. He was just average, and he um, definitely probably needs to be moved on. I think um, like you know, I, I'll be the one to say as a Hawthorne fan, I don't, I don't want Tom Mitchell on this team anymore. Um, mm. And not saying I don't love Tom Mitchell. I do. I'm a big fan of Tom Mitchell's game. I just don't think, um, looking at Hawthorne, he's not what we need right now, especially when we've got other players in the midfield, which we wouldn't mind giving some more time to. Like um, there, was, there was times when he wasn't even, he was dropped. He was omitted, Tom Mitchell. It's this season, we're trying to give, um, well, next season, sorry, we're trying to give you know minutes to players like James Warple, who's, been very disappointing, but when Tom Mitchell was out um, with his leg like three years ago, four years ago, James Warple had his amazing, he had his amazing star season, and that was, you know, with Tom Mitchell out, and whenever Tom Mitchell doesn't play, Warple kills it, so it's a big thing where it's like, you know, we gotta gotta look at the young players which are killing Mm. it, and say, and Warple has been very disappointing, so let's say hopefully he can improve with the departure of Tom Mitchell. Yeah, well, they're saying St. Kilda are very, very heavy favourites. Again, that report that he's been meeting up at a... His management has been meeting up with a cap at a cafe with St. Kilda's management, I think was actually from the owner or something like that. I think it was actually reported from the owner of the cafe or something, which is really funny. Yeah. Um, so I'm not sure how much he helped St. Kilda, but we got to remember that Hawthorne didn't want him in the team, clearly. He was only there to somewhat keep his trade value intact. They even moved him to the wing towards the end of the year. I remember watching the Richmond game and seeing this guy just on the wing the whole game. That's clear enough. Then you've got Bruce and Gunston. First of all, the same teams that are interested in Bruce are like interested in Gunston. I think Brisbane have inquired about both of them. Um, GWS did last year. GWS won't this year. North Melbourne under Clarko have inquired about both of them. I heard Port Adelaide are very much fishing around a couple of dudes. Carlton, I think, are interested in Bruce, all this type of stuff. I suspect that Hawthorne will trade both of them. I think they will trade Mitchell. They've just delisted Kyle Hardigan. And I think they will be shopping Wingard and O'Meara. I don't think they'll be successful in shopping them. You also got big boy McAvoy, who has retired. Liam Shields, who has retired. A couple other things that are going on. They delisted a couple of experienced dudes as well. I have a feeling the direction for Hawthorne next season will be to tank. And I know a lot of people have said, oh, but they brought in Carl Amon. Carl Amon's a good player, but I don't think he changes that. Carl Amon's a dude that shines in a really good team. He's probably not going to make that much of a difference to a bad team. So I feel like that's the reason that uh, they've done this. And I do think that will be one of the teams on the downfall. But also, I said they would do that this season. And Sam Mitchell is a genius coach. He's one of the best coaches in the game. And he's only been in it for like a year. Don't be surprised if Hawthorne still finished like 12th or 13th. Just because like the young core and Sam Mitchell, they're already enthused with each other. It's I, I still That's why I don't think they'll finish bottom three, to be honest. Like I think a lot of people are saying they, are. they definitely could. Yeah, if I said they just did, I'd definitely take that back. I'll go about 12th to 13th, I'll say. I'll say for Hawthorne. Same so, on the, the same as this year, pretty much. Yeah. I think you'll um, have a lot more younger players and you'll get rid of all those veterans, but you'll probably bounce around. And if they finish 16th or whatever, probably even a bigger win for Hawthorne. Oh, it definitely is. You know, if we can get more picks, it's it's yeah. ideally what this team needs. This team needs to... Do I want it to happen? No. But this team ideally needs to have a lot of crappy seasons to come just to get some good picks, some better players coming in. 
Um, but just to go back on the point you said about Bruce and um, Gunson, um, I disagree. I, I can't see them leaving. Um, they've been in trade rumors for the past four years and nothing ever happens. Like, mm. it's, but don't get me wrong, if Bruce gets traded, especially Bruce, it, whoever gets him, I cannot put into words how big of a pickup Luke Bruce would be. He is a gun. And I think people don't understand, you know, just he's one of the best kicks ever in the whole of AFL. It just, he's one of the best kicks for, of, you know, of goal. He's by far, I think looking at the stats, he's, he's top 10. Like he is phenomenal. Mm, he's yeah. such a good kick at goal. He, and he's still as good and he's a great mark. Whatever team gets him, you will not be able to put into words how good of a pickup that would be. Um, yes, it, it, I, there's a chance he goes. I just don't see it. I just, yeah. I think, um, I, I think they will be shopping around O'Meara. I do see that happening. Um, I just can't see Gunson or Bruce being traded. I've said it every year as well. I've said, you know, mm. I thought, I, I did think Gunson might be traded last year, but it just didn't happen. I just, yeah. I can't see those two being traded. I agree with the Bruce thing. I think they'll, he'll somehow stick around. Unless Clarko goes, I want him, then he'll 100% get to North, I think. The Gunston one, though, I will say I think Gunston is on the move this offseason. There have been way too many reports that Brisbane have been highly interested in him and that North have been interested in him for him to not go anywhere at this point. I think he would be perfect on Brisbane. They were interested in him last year, but they had a lot on their plate with the Lockie Neal situation, a couple other things. This year... They are going to be... They're obviously the leader for Buddy. We all know this by now. They've offered Buddy much more than what Sydney have. Buddy has made it very clear he probably won't be coming back unless they match the offer. And then we know Brisbane's... They've got Dan McStay leaving for 600k a year. He's going to Collingwood. That's 100% confirmed, basically, at this point. I think Jack Gunston 100% fulfills that Dan McStay role at Brisbane. And I definitely feel like the direction what Hawthorne are going for, Brisbane could get Jack Gunston for like pick 34, something like that, which would help the Hawks out quite a bit as well. That 34, you can always draft a really nice player, start that pick. And then again, 34 is not much value to Brisbane anyway. I think they get that done. But the Bruce one is weird. Yeah, you're right, because that GWS went hard for him last year. They didn't get him. Um, that that's just because I think GWS have major salary issues all the time. But North have all the salary cap in the world. And I'm about to segue into Clarko in a second, but we know that when Clarko wants something, he usually makes it happen. And he's already expressed major interest in bringing in a ton of players in free agency. They're very interested in Darcy Gardner, um, a bunch of other players we'll get into in a second. But then Luke Brewster's that other one. Do you think he could get to North? Is that the team that if he was to go somewhere, he would get there? Well, listen, North's definitely a chance. Um, we already know Clarko is on a mission to get some of the players he had in his three-peat years. And just some of the plays from the, you know, the old Hawthorne team, he's, you can tell he's eager to try and get Bradley Hill. Um, and, you know, that, that's just one of the plays eager to try and get. Um, but yeah, listen, he, he, well, he, yes, he probably will be after Bruce. And... If you see Bruce going to North, I reckon, God, that would be perfect for North. Um, it's just to be able to at least train some of the players as well. Like it'd be, it'd be a big, big, um, big job for him to be able to actually um, show the North players just some composure and how to, you know, just for some of the players how to properly kick. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I think honestly, shout that'd out be Jamie great. Stevenson. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, I think that's a good chance of happening. Yeah. All right, so there's the Bruce one. Then there is the report. Now, when I saw this, I nearly fell over backwards on my chair, did a backflip, did all of the above. Reports are saying that North are preparing to offer Ben Long 500000 to 600000 a year. This is a player who is in and out of St. Kilda, was the Medi sub, I'm pretty sure, multiple times this season. I think he's about 24, maybe. I'm not sure about that one. But they're he's preparing... 25. 25. They're preparing to offer him that contract. Before we get into Brad Hill and other guys, 
Is Ben Long a dude that you could see going to North? Because I believe he is staff of opportunity, and this guy deserves to be in a consistent 22. And somehow Clarko has done a, he's mapped out a bunch of players who he thinks could not only contribute to this team, but other players who may hit their prime on this team and explode and become candidates for most improved. Is Ben Long one of those dudes that could be one of the most improved players next season? 500k a year, is he good, do you think, for North Melbourne? Listen, if Clarko wants someone, you give Clarko the person. Um, yeah. Clarkson has a very, very, very good um, batting rate of um, choosing players if you don't count um, Tyrone Vickery. Um, but yes, he, <laughs> he knows what he's doing. Um, if Clarkson wants Ben Long, he, he yes, get, get him Ben Long. He knows what he's doing. Um, I can't say that enough. Do I think he'd um, fit well at North? I could, yeah, maybe. I could see it. Do I think he's worth that much money? Um, with the money, you know, going up and stuff in AFL, I would say probably not. But listen, mm. if if Clarkson thinks, he, you know, he's only 25, like I just said. Yeah. If Clarkson thinks he can take that extra step, I'm putting my confidence in my coach, who, you, you know, you've just given this massive um, deal to, and you trust Master Clarko. This is what you do. Mm. Yeah, well, basically, you're not wrong. I mean, like, there is a big chance that this dude somehow, like, hits his prime on the right time. Usually players hit their prime at 26, 27, right? He's 25 years old, starved of opportunity, comes into North as a 25 to 26-year-old, starts to develop to get to that prime, but also, like, a consistent game under his belt off the wing and half back will do this guy wonders. And... I don't even think this guy cares. I, I think a whole lot about the money. I just think he wants to play football. And <laughs> yeah. Saints are clearly stacked at a lot of those positions, especially I think the halfback. they got a lot of dudes coming in. I think that's the thing that, you know, again, St. Kilda could use a lot more. Like, I think they're looking for an inside mid that can convert to the wing. That is why I think they're looking at Tom Mitchell. Um, that's straight up there. And I think they'll probably be looking for... I just think some consistency around their forward line. And I think players to come in just not to make sure they have to rely on Jack Steele to win them games 24-7. So Tom Mitchell would help them out there. But that's when I think you're looking at a dude like Ben Long who kind of moves on. Uh, before I get into, again, the other North things, the other player that St. Kilda are apparently getting, so they've offered Tom Mitchell a deal, it looks like. Kyle Hardigan as well. Just gotten delisted today. Reports are saying two-year deal coming from St. Kilda. They added in another key back. A lot of a lot of Hawthorne fans are talking mad shit about Kyle Hardigan right now. He did get torn apart in the 2017 granny as well. Is this a dude that adds much to St. Kilda, do you think? Kyle Hardigan, I'm calling it now, will get delisted halfway through the season. <laughs> he is absolutely <laughs> dog shit, man. He yeah. is so bad. Like This is coming from a fan who... Watches every Hawthorne game. Uh, listen, I'm not as consistent all the time of other footy games, um, but every Hawthorne game I've seen it. And Kyle Hardigan is shit. He is. He sucks, man. He's not any good. Um, he he cannot handle himself up against you know the big for the big can't go up against a Tom Hawkins. Um, even though he looks like a big guy, he just can't handle it. He's um he's shocking. He is. He can't kick. He can't do anything. He, you know. You do not want him doing your kickouts. Trust me, from experience. Um, you don't. You don't you usually just... want a key back doing your kickouts anyway. That's usually always yeah. a recipe for disaster, right there. But he is awful. You, um, I think that's a big mistake. If, if for two years, um, yeah. hey, Hardigan's awful. If he's been delisted de from, I'm not saying Hawthorne are bad, not at all. But I'm just saying yeah. compared to if Hawthorne are delisting him. Um, he, he's bad. Like, he, he's, he yeah. sucks, man. And the big the big issue around St. Kilda's list, you know, I talked about how I think they want a winger, a midfielder that can, can transition to being on the wing. I think they want maybe more consistency from their forward line. I think the big 100% thing that they want is some key defenders, man. you got Dougal Howard having to play on not only the number one key forward every week, but I swear that guy has to switch himself to go play as the number two, the number three. He is all over the ground. Dude, Howard is a decent player. Don't get me wrong. But I don't think that's why I like him so much. I think it's because he has to do so much 
for this St. Kilda team. You are relying on him to not only keep the number one key forward quiet, but also to try and negate the impact that the second and third option keep. I think what they'll be looking for is I think they need to look for a second key back and I think they need to look for the third key back that has like a similar size to like a, a Dylan Grimes who can play small and tall that can, um, you know, also intercept. The intercepting key defender, I think, is the other thing because Dougal Howard also has to do that. So clearly, I think there are a lot of issues with their key back division down there. I think that's what they'll really want to do. And I think that's where they're looking at Kyle Hardigan, where they're just saying, he might not be the dude that plays every game, but at least he adds some, some relief, right? He's better than nothing, I think, is what they're trying to say to themselves. And he's probably a dude that you get for like 150 a year. Honestly, if if I'm St. Kilda, I'd rather have a short player on that. <laughs> I just, I'd, he is god-awful, man. He yeah. is just shocking. Um, listen, if, if you need a key backman, get a key backman, but you are getting mm. the worst key backman ever. Yeah. He sucks. What interests me as well is, though, is I'm talking about a midfielder that can migrate to the wing. It just so happens as well that not only is that a position that St. Kilda need, but it's going to become even bigger of a need this offseason because... I don't know who's going to play as their main wings next season because Brad Hill as well. Brad Hill to North Melbourne. Um, ben Long as well. He's that, I think, third winger, the dude that sometimes gets in, sometimes has to play the Matty sub role. You lose two valuable wingers right there who both could be starting wingers for North Melbourne literally next season. So when you think about North, that's a big dub. Now, I know that Brad Hill is not overly good and he has weight issues here and there as well but I think under Clarko something tells me that Brad Hill is going to be a decent player again under Alistair Clarkson am I wrong for saying that and is Sancho wrong as well for having to give up two wings this offseason I think they definitely have to probably let Bradley Hill go um, Bradley Hill hasn't been good at St. Kilda and mm. um, Bradley Hill isn't you know an amazing star player but when he plays good he is a really good helpful player he's a player that you know um, I'm trying to think of players he's similar to um, I can compare him to there's um, he's, he's similar to Impey on Hawthorne he's, you yeah, know, he's a okay. player that will get the ball and just absolutely run with it and just Give you a bit of speed, which is what you need. And uh, when he was at Hawthorne, he was he um he did so many wonders. And um I, I think being coached by Clarkson again, it might revive his career a little bit and maybe mm. um for, which for sure could, you know, maybe not the exact form or what he was like at Hawthorne, but you know, a lot better than what he was at St. Kilda, because he, he yeah. wasn't good at St. Kilda. Yeah. Well, I think as again on the way North is saying is of uh, St. Kilda rather is they might lose long and heel. But to be fair to them, Wankanee Miller, I believe, played on the wing for them the majority of the season. They took him out, I think, pick 11 last year. He was really solid for them this year. And then they're giving Hunter Clark, I think, those um, the wing games now as well. I think they finally said to themselves, because Hunter Clark, I believe, has been in and out of the lineup. I think inconsistency, this and that. Injury as well, I think. I think they're just saying to themselves, this guy was like a top 10 pick, I think. we got to give him that full-time wing chance now. And that's when Brad Hill and, I think, you know, Long move on to North Melbourne. And look, Ben Long in the last game for St. Kilda had 27 disposals. Pretty good numbers. Um, I think what will happen is, is they'll get Long and they'll get Hill. I think they'll get both of them in a deal. And the biggest thing, North, they might have to give up maybe... Maybe a third round pick and a and, and a um future a uh, future third round pick, or they might just say, "Look, we'll give you a late second round pick, and we get the deal done." Because I have a feeling we know North; they've already offered up number one to multiple teams. They're trying to bring in like six picks out of that number one. Like literally, they're trying to bring in so much. I remember Richmond last year offered Callum Coleman Jones 15, 17... Oh, no, it was nine, sorry. It was, yeah, pick nine 
15 and two seconds, I think, as well. So imagine if North could turn pick one this year into like a pick nine, a pick 15, two second round picks, and like a and like a Ben Long and a Brad Hill, probably going to be a good move. And I think Alistair Clarkson would very much like that. So yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm all for this. I'm all for North doing all these things. They're also interested in Junior Rioli, but I don't think that's happening. They're saying Port Adelaide's 100% get, getting him. But do you have any final words on North Melbourne? Do you expect them to have a big off-season? Because, again, yeah, Bruce and yeah, Dunstan, no, I, they're also interested in. Uh, I do think it's going to be a big off-season you know, off and stuff for them. It's Especially when they bring in, you know, Alistair Clarkson, who will have a... Um, he will have a lot of control, I guess, is maybe a word, um, over what happens kind of at North Melbourne. Um, I'm not saying he's going to you know, run the club, but he just, he has a lot of, you know, I'm trying to think of the word, but just, yeah, pretty much Authority, that. authority <laughs> would be good. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. a better word probably. Um, so it's, a lot of stuff's probably going to happen and Clarkson has a big say in a lot of stuff. And um, mm. it, I think as a North fan, you've got to be really excited. Um you know, you won the race, you got Alistair Clarkson, you know, the master coach, the greatest, one of the greatest coach, no, the just greatest say, coach Just say the greatest time. coach, Samet, come on now. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, so you, you really do. Um, it's You've got a bright potential future with Clarkson and let's see him build another team into, a, you know, a super team pretty much. It's we saw what he did with Hawthorne. You know, let's, let's see what he does with North Melbourne. It's he's going he's gonna to do well. I think. No, if you're a North Melbourne fan, you've got to be excited. Yeah. All right. So that's that's just what did on North. You know, we touched on um Tom Mitchell and St Kilda earlier as well. Again, because I'm probably going to turn this into a clip for the clip's sake. Tom Mitchell's management reportedly has been meeting up with St Kilda's management at a cafe. I think that was actually reported from the owner of the cafe. I think something crazy like that like you never see that type of shit happen really usually it's just fake reports but you'd probably take the owner's word i think <laughs> that something like that would probably be happening or even a, a dude that goes there to the cafe religiously we all know that one coffee nut that goes to a cafe like every day and see shit that no other man should ever see i am hearing as well and i think i got told this from a mate where he saw this from a dude on twitter not sure how reliable this is but because Hawthorne are going on this new wave where they're getting rid of all these veteran presents and they're just kind of maybe seeing what they can bring in. If you were offered a third round pick, Samet, for Tom Mitchell, would you do it? Because they were asking for a first round pick last year. And because they didn't get a first round pick, they called off trade talks. It's very evident that a first round pick for Tom Mitchell is impossible, I think, to get now. And after the season he had where it looked like he just didn't want to be there and Hawthorne just wanted to get rid of him, if a team like St. Kilda came up to you and said, we'll pay for his whole contract in the remaining two years or whatever, we'll take him off his books, but we'll only give you a third rounder. What do you say, Zamet? Do you get it done? I, th I think you'd want a third round pick and something else. I'm not saying yeah. something massive, but just another, you know, late pick. If that's, you know, it doesn't matter how late, there's something else. There's the sweet in it. Just a little sweetener. Um, I think ideally you'd love to say, let's get a second rounder for him. But with the season he just had, it's not looking that likely. Mm. Um, it sucks. It, it sucks selling on a player at his lowest point. It, it's the worst thing that um, it's not smart. It's it's it just sucks. But um, yeah. it's looking like yeah, a, a third pick, third round pick. Yeah, you probably would do. Um, but you'd want some sort of sweetener on top. I'm not saying something massive, but there's something just to say, you know. So I've given you all the Hawthorne news I can, right? I've kept I've kept you up to date on this podcast. But the thing is, every single day, it is proving this is going to not only be the biggest trade period in AFL history, but it's going to, I think, double last year in trades and moves that happened. I think last year about 38 moves got done or something. I think they're projecting like over 50 are going to happen this season. A lot of players are getting delisted that probably shouldn't be getting delisted. Dudes like Hardigan probably wouldn't have gone from a club maybe like in the last year. But teams just don't care anymore. Hawthorne, you can tell, just don't care. And they're going to get rid of them if they want. Every single day, something new pops up is what I'm trying to say. A week ago, we knew nothing about Tom Mitchell was saying kill it up. Now we're saying it's 100%, like, well, 90% going to be happening, right? 
unless another team jumps in. The other thing I'm wondering is, because like I just said, something new happens every day. Nothing is being said about O'Meara yet or Chad Wingard. But with the way this offseason is moving and the way Hawthorne are getting rid of everyone and their dad, what do you think is going to happen to those two players? Do you think a club will be interested in them? If so, what club will that be? And what do you think that club would have to trade up to get an O'Meara or a Wingard? Uh, it's probably not that much. Um, again, I think Jaeger is probably worth probably the same amount as Tom Mitchell, a third round pick. Um, and like a, a and, late fourth or something. Yes. Again, this is sweetener. Um, and then Chad Wingard. Oh God. It's, it sucks, but he probably doesn't have that much value. Um, it's not saying Wingard sucks or anything. He's a player that, you know, he can turn on the jets and he can be a difference maker. He can be the player that can, you know, kick the winning goal in a finals series or, Something like that. He, he, you know, he's really good, but just he hasn't had the best um, years at Hawthorne. Um, so he definitely doesn't have too much trade value. So if you're selling on those players, which there's a chance I can see Wingard especially being traded, it's you're not going to get too much. What that would be, God, I'm the worst person to ask. I'm just <laughs> shocking at this stuff, man. I, I, I say stuff and... I'm always wrong in the AFL, as in trade predictions. I, I can never get it right. Um, yeah. Other predictions, I reckon I'm pretty good, but trade predictions, I'm shocking, man. I just you yeah, do well, I, damn it. Back yourself, mate. Come on now, you do well. Um, but yeah, you had to name a team. team. You traded to. Yeah, so who who could be the team? Because the the difference I have with Chad Wingard is right. I don't necessarily know how much Amira can add to a team because of his injuries. Then Tom Mitchell, I have question marks on because I wonder how banged up is that guy's body? I mean, he's been in and out of the contest like for years in a row now. Those inside midfielders usually get pretty banged up towards the end of their career. Look at Mad Matt Crouch, man. He's apparently getting delisted from the Crows this year and he's only 27. I thought Matt Crouch was like 30 or 31. Apparently he's 27 yeah. years old and it's just because you, these dudes get beaten and bruised up so much. But with Wingard, I actually feel like Wingard can add value to a team. If you're a team out there and you want a small forward, you can move Wingard to being that small forward. And if you told him all you're going to do is add pressure and kick a goal or two a game, he's going to do it. And that's why I still feel like Wingard could be an early third-round pick if they really wanted it to happen. What team that could be, though, I would assume Wingard will want to stay in Victoria that's the same thing with O'Meara and Mitchell. I think Mitchell has obviously been drawn to the Saints, obviously, as we know. But if you were Wingard, there is a team out there that is looking for a small forward. They have said they don't really want to trade up picks this offseason. But in saying that as well, I'm not sure how much money they've got. If you were Wingard and you got told you're going to go play a valuable spot on this team, but you might have to take, like, some type of pay cut. We'll, we'll pay some of your salary... But this team being Carlton, would you would you go? Because I think Carlton desperately need a small forward, but I don't think they can afford him. That's what I'm trying to say is here. I don't think Carlton can afford Wingard. They don't have much assets at all to start off with that they want to trade up. And he's I still I'm pretty sure Wingard's probably on like 600, 650 maybe. Like people, people I would assume so. Yeah, when he came to Hawthorne, he was still like all Australian talent. Yeah. He was a good player. So in order for him to get traded, you'd assume it'd be like a team like Carlton where he might have to take less money. Do you think he'll do that? Because that's what could stop just, Hawthorne from getting it done. I could see Carlton, but then I could also see, in a, you know, in a year or two, Carlton just absolutely hating Wingard and saying, oh, he does nothing. He's, you know, just the luck can't have, man. They, they get plays and they just go to crap. And, um, yeah, I could see that backfiring massively if they get Wingard. Um, Wingard's a hard one, honestly. But I could, yeah, I could see Carlton looking at that the forward line. He'd probably slide right in. Um, yeah. um, and so, so just to go back to O'Meara, you said um one thing um injuries and stuff, dude. He's a, he's a pretty healthy man ever since Gold Has Coast. He? Yeah, he's he's missed like I think he's what, five seasons here. He's had like I, I did I had a look. Um, twenty one, eighteen, twenty one. 21 and this year 21 
Like literally really? every game. Yeah, he what? healthy as. I swear he missed the game against Richmond. I just thought this dude had been having injury issues the whole time. Nah, he did miss one. He might have missed the Richmond game, but literally he's been wow. so healthy at Hawthorne. Wow. So that's the first year, I think. First year he might have missed a bit, but other than that, healthy as can be. That's shocking to me. And I think a lot of people who don't watch Hawthorne games consistently, because I swear this dude always has a niggle. Like, I'll be watching the news and, oh, O'Meara's running around with a sore it's ankle. And I just assume <laughs> this dude doesn't play. Yeah, wow. no, he's, he's played a lot. And, like, that's it's not like... It, they're good, you know, they're not bad stats, man. Like, it's, he's, he's averaged, you know, 20 disposals this year. Um, yep. Um, last year, um, oh, last year he averaged 27 disposals. So, a massive drop off. But it, wow. He, he's, he was a good player last year. And just, you know, he's had a bit of a disappointing season this year. And but that is also because of the rise of Jai Newcomb. Um, yeah. But yeah, listen, you, honestly, maybe looking at O'Meara, you could be expecting a bit more than um, mm. a third round pick. But, Possibly, um, yeah. yeah. So I, I just wanted to correct you about the um, injury no, that's, thing. That's good. Oh, I didn't know. Yeah, no, yeah. I didn't know. I think a lot of people are very unaware of that too. So that's kind of good because um, the way people talk about him as well, you seem like an injured dude. Omira is one of the guys though that I think will stay at Hawthorne. I can't. I don't know something about him. It seems like he's got more to dis- more to give to Hawthorne. Like, I remember him being in captain talks like a year and a half, two years ago. Doesn't yeah. seem like his career is finished at Hawthorne like Tom Mitchell's is, like Jack Gunston's probably is, Kyle Hardy and et cetera, et cetera. So I'd probably see that happening. I also see Chad Wingard staying for an, at least another year. I don't think Hawthorne can get rid of everyone in one off season. I mean, JWS are trying to. They, they've got like six players up for trade right now. I mean, there's even been reports that teams are inquiring about Lockie Whitfield and um, Nick oh, Haynes, wow. which is crazy. Lockie Whitfield's on a million a year, like arguably the most overpaid player, I think, in AFL history. People can fight me about that. I've never been a fan of Lockie Whitfield. I've always had issues with the way he plays. Um, and yeah, I've heard talks about that. But geez, imagine GWS. If you had to trade up Lockie Whitfield, you'd probably have to pay for half of that contract. Could you imagine paying $500,000 a season for a dude who doesn't play for you? <laughs> it's a lot, a lot of money. Um, <laughs> That's how money. overpaid this guy is. I don't rate Lockie Whitfield a whole lot. But again, Grundy I think you'll be on the move too. I think you're giving Lockie Whitfield way too much. Too much um, yeah, he's a good player, man. He's not worth a million dollars, but <laughs> he's, he's so... Yeah. He's, he's still worth a lot, like a bit of money, man. He's a good player. <laughs> we'll, we'll finish it off because I was going to segue into another over overpaid player. Brody Grundy, they're saying Melbourne bound. What do you think about that? Melbourne Demons trading for Brody Grundy. They're going to pay 700 a year. Collingwood are going to pay 300 a year for his contract. Another great extension from Ned Guy. Goddamn, that dude just nearly ruined Collingwood. Lucky they bounced back, but... Does he work with Max Gorn? Because I don't think he does. Tell me what you think. Listen, I actually don't mind it, man. I, I've been talking to a lot of Melbourne fans. And listen, like the talk going around is that they want Grundy and Max Gorn really, really desperately wants to play forward next year. Like Gorn wants I'm to hearing. play full forward? Gorn wants to play forward. Um, which I know he's not a great kick and all, but again, I'm hearing he, he wants to play forward. I know you like... Give me the eyes and stuff, but he wants to play forward. It's what I'm hearing. Um, and um, yeah, um, I, I wouldn't mind Grundy being at Collingwood. Again, this is assuming they will not be going after Grundy if Luke Jackson was to stay. But Luke Jackson yeah. is off the free medal. That's Fremantle. you know, yeah. Um, but yeah, listen, I, I don't think Grundy's that bad of a you know choice. I think then it it does then. Oh God, Gorn really has to start practicing his goal kicking, but. You know, it does give him that um that really, really tall forward. And we know yeah. when Gorn's in the forward, he marks every ball, man. Like he, he can does. Take he a just nice can't, back mark. He just can't kick. But if he learns how to kick at least half, half consistent, then you know, listen, that's that's a great duo there. Mm. Um I've heard a lot of Melbourne fans as well say they really need that like leading key forward. Um, that can lead to a mark. We know Max Thorne isn't going to be able to do that. So that's why I don't know about that 
Brody Grundy situation. It's a lot for a dude that is a big question mark on your team. But also, I, I think if they were to fix that up, it'd be a fine move. Seeing Brody Grundy and Max Gorn have 88 hitouts a game is going to be a fun, a fun thing to watch. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know about it. They do have. Remember, you remember when they signed Luke Dunstan? I'm still kind of shocked that the Saints delisted Luke Dunstan. You know, they they got rid of him, and now he's now he's averaging like 35 disposals a game for Melbourne's VFL. And when he does play AFL footy. He hasn't really cemented his spot for Melbourne yet. But that's because I think they're so stacked. A dude like Matt Crouch is going to be available this offseason. He's similar to, I think, Luke Dunstan. Very big ball winner. Doesn't necessarily use the ball well. But I'm sure some team will come calling for that guy. Hopefully for Matt Crouch's sake. It's going to be a better situation than what Dunstan got put in. Because that dude just went to a stacked midfield and was kind of told, you're going to have the leftovers when someone gets injured. <laughs> So, yeah, there's there's a lot going on. This is going to be a big AFL offseason. I'm sure we'll get back to it, but you've got you got to start your... What time do you start work tomorrow? Uh, I've got to leave my house at around 5 a.m. Jesus Christ. All right, so I reckon we let you go. Go, go get some <laughs> sleep. Go <laughs> rest up, Zamet, because we're going to have another big podcast again because there is a lot of AFL news to talk about. I'm sure we'll probably do this maybe after the um, finals and... Uh, something like that. Maybe before the trade period could be probably, in a, I think, maybe two more weeks away. So everyone stay tuned for that. Two to three weeks away, we'll probably do another pod and I'm sure there'll be a hell of a lot of more AFL news to talk about by then. So thank you for coming on. Make sure to leave a like, subscribe to the channel. Am I plugging anything for you, Zamet? What, what, do I, what do I plug for you? I don't know. You may as well just plug nothing but action, man. I, I'm, I want to yeah, get back channel. into it, and I will one day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, go, everyone go sub to Zamet's channel. I don't know if I plug your Instagram usually. I don't remember. You know, I've got the header, the the what, what the template, whatever you call it. I don't know yeah, if your Instagram's yeah. there, but shout out Zamet's Instagram. <laughs> go give him a text if you disagree with his opinion. <laughs> yeah, or agree. <laughs> Yeah, leave a like, subscribe, and comment. We'll uh, we'll see you guys next time. Goodbye.